Um, welcome, uh, especially want to welcome the Williams. Uh, if you didn't get to meet them, uh, the Williams family is uh, in from Augusta, Georgia. Um, they were the church planters that started Living Legacy. And so uh, we are very excited to have them. Uh, and, um, and their friends who are, who are here with them, welcome. Um, it's, a, it's a real joy to have you all this morning. And interestingly enough, they um, now attend the church that Dottie's sister uh, is a member of uh, in Augusta, Georgia. So it's like a really small world. Uh, they, they were talking with my sister-in-law um, a while back and telling them some about the, where they'd been and what they'd done and telling them about the church plant. And my sister Julia, before they ever got the name of the church out, said, was that Living Legacy Church? And they were like, yes, and how did you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it's really great to have you all this morning. We're, we're thrilled to have you. Um, and please, get a, if you get a chance afterward, greet them, let them know how glad you are that they are here. Scott asked me to just let you know, um, tomorrow night there's going to be um, uh, an opportunity to serve in our community. There's a, a lady who has just recently lost her husband. Um, and a friend of Living Legacy has been kind of sharing the gospel with her and just being a presence for Christ in her life. And she has some, some needs around her home, some mulch needs to be spread and some power washing. And so they're going to go out and just serve her and help um, this friend of Living Legacy who's been kind of witnessing to her uh, here in our community. So if you're able or willing um, or unwilling and able uh, and can get there, uh, see Scott after the service and, and he can help you know how to get connected. That's going to be around 6 o'clock tomorrow night. So, um, And then um, we have one other, one, one prayer request and then another announcement. Um, uh, please be praying for the youth mission trip. We are leaving in like two, is it two? Three weeks, I guess. Three weeks. Um, two or three weeks. I can't do the math this quickly. But, um, and we're going actually to Florida uh, to work with Larry Snyder <laughs> um, and, and support his church plant down there. We have six youth and two adults going, which is really awesome. We're super excited about that. Um, but be praying for us. One, that we'd have opportunity to share about Christ with folks while we're there. And two, that the Lord would just be preparing all of our, the team members' hearts to go and do that. Um, and also, not just to do something for the Lord, but also to be changed by the Lord. It's, it's very interesting how when you get away from your context, how sometimes the Lord is able to work in ways he can't when you're in your context. So be praying for the youth that they just be open to him. And I said one prayer request, but two, but please continue to be praying for, for Elise. She took a major step this week. Uh, if you don't know, she's going out onto the mission field. She's going to be serving in Mauritania um, full-time. And she, um, this was her last week of work last week. So she is officially not working at ABWE anymore and is officially a full-time missionary, which is awesome. We're really excited for her. Um, yeah, you can clap for that. That's awesome. Um, uh, we're really excited for you. But that's also a really big step. So be praying for her as she, she steps out. Um, and then the last announcement um, this is kind of a sad one, but also an okay one. <laughs> uh, but uh, Becky and I were talking uh, this week, and we our registrations for VBS have been really low, like really, really low. And so we have decided to hold off on VBS this year um, because we just don't have the numbers to do it. And so, um, so it, it's sad in one respect because I know that you guys really wanted to do VBS, and I really wanted to do VBS. Um, but for some reason... The Lord has just closed the door, and we're not sure what that is, um, but but He has. Here, here's the thing with that: um, just because we don't get to do what we think should be done, doesn't mean what's being done isn't what should be done. 
So um, the Lord is always in these things, and I'm not sure what it is, but it's there. So what? Here, here's the plan. Here's the plan. Um, next week we are gonna. We weren't supposed to do a felt. We're not gonna do our lunch after church today because um, that was the planning lunch for VBS. So, but next year we, or next next year next week we're not planning that far ahead. Next week we are gonna do our family lunch. We weren't gonna do that, but we were, I talked to Patty and we're back on. And you just bring whatever you want. It's gonna be just a fun kind of smorgas. We'll call it the smorgasbord. You just bring whatever you want and. Speaking of sports, I went to Shady Maple a few weeks ago, and that place is like crazy. I don't know if you've ever been there. They had donuts beside the salad. Like the salad was flanked by donuts and french fries. I kid you not. It seriously was. I just had never seen anything like that. So let's do that here. We'll do that next week. So bring whatever you want, and we'll just have a good time of fellowship after the service. But um, so, but this summer, our hope now is to transition to, rather than doing a whole week of VBS, to do one or two or maybe more, we'll see, but at least one events for kids and families for our folks that we can invite friends and family to. Uh, so we're not exactly sure what they are. Becky and I are going to get together on that for the next in the next week or two and plan a few events. We'll probably reach out to you to see what dates you're available so that we can all be sure to be there. Um, but we had a few ideas that I think would be a lot of fun. So rather than doing one big week um, and and focusing on everybody outside, we're going to do a few different events focusing on you guys and giving you an opportunity to invite in people uh, in your sphere of influence. So that's actually going to be a lot of fun, uh, but we're looking forward to that. So be praying also uh, for that, because we would still love to engage folks who, um, who we're, we're learning about in our neighborhoods and communities uh, for Christ. Yeah, Nikki. So no man's coffee tomorrow night, um, and that's a good excuse too. We're happy birthday, Mickey. We're glad that it's your birthday. Um, and I give Mickey a hard. I was just so tempted to give you a hard time, but I do that enough. So we'll just be really positive about Mickey today, uh, and we love you. And thank you for so faithfully doing that every Monday, every Monday night. So, um, but anyway, we. I, I think I don't know. Some of you were here last week. Some of you weren't. But at the end of the service, each of you who were here got a little three by five card. And I don't have mine, but it's around here somewhere. And on it, we had you write down on one of them an idea that you had that you could reach out to somebody in your community or in your sphere of influence personally, just to kind of engage them. And then the other one, you wrote down something that we could do corporately as a church. And I, I'm not sure if any of you were able to like follow through on your personal one this week or not, but um, I had the opportunity, I had written down to engage my neighbor, and I got out of my car one day with a handful of dinner, like we had Moe's, it was just, my, literally my arms were full with Moe's, and my neighbor had his dog, like, right beside me at the edge of our property, and was letting his dog do his business, and I was, I was, like, confronted with this, like, thing, like, God said, you have food in your hands, but I am dropping this neighbor right in your lap. Are you going to be faithful to me? And so I just kind of went over with all my food and tried to keep it from the dog, and I talked to my neighbor. And I was really excited about that. I got to just, nothing spiritual happened other than I just said, hey, my name's John, we're here, if you ever need us. We talked for a few minutes, and then I gave him my phone number and said, if you ever need anything, please feel free to call. And he kind of looked at me like this, and he was like, oh, okay. And he didn't know what to do with that, but that's okay. Because uh, it was like a conversation open and something that I can follow up on. And so I hope, I hope that all of us are doing those kind of things. And we're, we're not forgetting our cards, but we're following up on and following through on um, our investing in our community, reaching out to those who are in our sphere of influence. Because if we don't do it, nobody's going to. So, um, and it's a joy. So anyway, so with all that said, 
why don't I pray for us this morning, and then we, we are going to worship. We are going to worship. So will you pray? Uh, Father, we thank you today um, for loving us. We thank you for not forgetting about us. Um, I, we were studying in the youth group this morning, we were studying Revelation, and I was just encouraged because it was all this stuff about your judgment and, and punishment of, of those who, who reject you. And um, we were reminded, though, as, as the youth studied, that the reason you gave that to the seven churches was to, to remind them that you haven't forgotten about them and that you are still with the seven churches, even though it was hard for them, even though it was challenging, even though it, it, from, from a worldly perspective it looked like they were doing everything wrong and the world was doing everything right. That was not true. And that you were with them. And Father, we thank you for that this morning because we know that you are with us just as you were with those seven churches right here in this moment and in this place with everything that we have going on. All of the the family stuff, some of it's really good stuff and some of it's struggles and and all of the personal stuff, all the things at work uh, and all the things happening in our neighborhood, all the things happening in our our country, all the the craziness there and, and throughout the world, Lord, we thank you that you haven't forgotten about us in Hershey, PA. You haven't forgotten about the struggles that we have and, and, and the distractions that we face and, and the hurts that we carry. And, and, and we thank you that you have jumped into life with us and have told us we don't have to carry them alone. And so this morning, Lord, we come here not so much to get something from you, but to give something to you. And we would just humbly ask in Jesus' name that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would open our spirits so that we can worship you in spirit and in truth today. So that even though there's a lot going on, a lot of things that would like to distract us this morning, we could focus in on you and bringing you the honor that you deserve, exalting you for the great God that you are. So Lord, this time is yours and we are yours. And we humbly ask that you would equip us to in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you know, uh, some of you might not know, um, Living Legacy is a Southern Baptist congregation. So we are part of the denomination, the Southern Baptist Church. And um, we have uh, just the great privilege of being part of that network of churches um, who together can do more than we could do on our own individually. And uh, Nancy Patrick is on, uh, we have, I don't know if you know, but we have a missions agency that focuses on North America, which is called the North American Missions Board. Uh, It's part of the Southern Baptist Church. And then we also have one called the International Missions Board, which focuses on international missions. And Nancy Patrick um, is on the board of the International Missions Board. And so she's one of the leaders of of that. Uh, And she uh, was at a board meeting uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, and has just come back, so she'd like to share just a few updates and let us know kind of what the International Mission Board is doing and, and how together uh, we are affecting change for the gospel in, in this. I'm, uh, I'm thankful that Nancy mentioned, uh, well, everything she mentioned, but particularly um, uh, that heaviness that she's been feeling, because I've been feeling that myself lately. I don't know if any of you have felt that way, and even last week I, I had shared about that, and and then I, I shared this scripture from Psalm 43. It said, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior, my God. And I think I've been just commanding my spirit all week and all morning 
to just praise God. Even if you don't feel like it, even if like you're not in the mood, you know, you're you're kind of distracted, just keep centering, keep forcing my spirit to praise God because he is always worth it whether I feel like it or not. And, um, and I think some of our richest worship probably comes from the times when we feel least like into it. I, I think the Lord probably values that maybe more than the, the times when we are just totally engaged, our arms are in the air, we're screaming at the top of our lungs and everything's there. I mean, those times are good, right? But I know like when one of you does something for me and you're doing it like at a time in life where you have a thousand other things going on and you would have every excuse not to serve me in that moment, but you do it anyway, or you're sick and you pull yourself out of bed and, and you come to my aid, like that means kind of more to me than, than if you were well and you had it all planned and scheduled and it was expected. And I think the Lord is, is kind of the same. So I hope that encourages us today. If we're not, if we don't feel it, it doesn't mean we shouldn't offer it. And when we offer it at the times we don't feel it, perhaps it's even more valuable than the times when we do. And so um, I, I hope that that encourages you. The, the other thing I, I would share, I shared this with the youth this morning. This is totally like off script, but it's, I think it's important. Um, there are times in life, I don't know if you ever felt this way, where you feel like you should do something, kind of in the same vein as what we were talking about, you, or you know you should do something, but you're, you don't feel like doing it. Like there's something inside of you telling you, I know I should go do that, but don't go do that. Don't go do it. You, don't, you shouldn't go do that. Like you, you don't have the time to do that. You don't have the energy to do that. Your kids need you. Your family needs you. Your, your, your boss needs you. Like there's like this just kind of feeding you this, this kind of lie that you shouldn't do the things you do. Or like, with like Bible study or like devotions or, or your prayer life. Anybody ever been there? Like, I know I should take time each day and pray. But every time, or a lot of times, I, I want to go and do it, there's something inside me that says, no, you don't need to do that today. You were just at worship this morning and you prayed with everybody, so that counts. Like, you don't need to do that on your own. Or Like, you just studied like at a Bible study on Friday night, and so you don't need to do your devotions this week. It's okay. You're like kind of, you kind of, Build up. You did. You were like two hours of Bible study on Friday night, so that build up for the rest of your week. You don't have to do that. And um, or you're at the grocery store and you see some sweet little lady who just has trouble like lifting her bags, and you're like, I should go help her. And there's something inside that says, No, you don't have time to, to stop and to go do that today. You got to get to your next thing. And I said to the youth, that, and I'll say it to us, like I think sometimes we we have those feelings or thoughts, and then we think, Oh. Like, what does that mean for me? Like, am I really a Christian? Like, aren't Christians not supposed to have those things happen to them anymore? Aren't We're not supposed to struggle with that stuff. Like, we're supposed to want to do those things, not, not like have this temptation not to do those things. And the truth of the matter is, we still have this sin nature that is like trying to like come against us and, and, and keep us from doing the things that we're supposed to do. The hope for us as believers now is that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us who gives us power over sin. Like, we don't have to submit to the sin anymore. Like, we can overcome it. We, we, we can do the right thing. Or in the past, we, we were powerless to, to do that. So I, I want to encourage us today, if you're feeling like you don't want to do the things that you should do, maybe, maybe that's like a mark that you are a Christian. 
Because before you were a Christian, you just didn't do the things you should have done and you didn't really feel bad about it. But now, you kind of do. Like, and if you are struggling with that, the Holy Spirit is there to help you to do the things that you want to do if you would just ask. And we are here to help each other do the things we're supposed to do if we could just ask. I think I mentioned that last week too. One, one of my friends here at Living Legacy said, I really want to read my Bible more, but I'm struggling, so can we get text each other every day just saying that we've read our Bible for accountability? We need each other. We need the Holy Spirit. Just because you don't want to do something doesn't mean you're not a believer or that you have failed. You haven't failed until you stop doing it. <laughs> Fight that temptation. Press in. And let's do it together. Even if we don't feel like it. Because our God is always worth it. I, um, when I was younger, uh, half my life ago, when I was in my 20s, I um, like the show Seinfeld. Not sure if anybody's ever seen it. Um, I really like Seinfeld. I, I, I'm pretty sure that I've seen literally every episode of Seinfeld. Um, I don't remember most of them anymore. Um, but there's one that, that does stick out. And it was episode 150. I didn't have that memorized. I looked it up. But um, <laughs> uh, I looked that up. But um, And in that episode, part of the episode, uh, the Cosmo Kramer, that character Kramer, um, uh, played uh, by Michael Richards. Michael Richards was his name, or is his name. Uh, adopted a highway. You've seen like the signs along highways, adopt a highway, adopted by whatever. Anyway, he adopted a highway. And he was out cleaning up, and he had this bright idea. He said, I could make my highway into a luxurious highway by blacking out some of the dashed lines in between the lanes and creating double-sized lanes for everybody to drive on. And he thought, wouldn't this just be so nice? Because everybody would have more room. It would be comfortable. You could kind of go back and forth. You could swerve in your lane if you want. It would just be luxurious. So one night he goes out. He paints all the lines, right? Uh, or half of them. And so there's that four lanes are down to two, but they're really big lanes. And it just goes awful, right? Because now there's traffic and accidents. People aren't ready for this. And his well-laid plan, the thing that he thought was going to bring so much joy and so much happiness and so much luxury to his fellow citizens on his adopted highway caused so much pain and turmoil and hardship. Our scripture today tells a similar story. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7. We're continuing in the Sermon on the Mount today, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse 13. And it tells uh, a story about a wide road and a narrow road, about a wide gate and a narrow gate, and about what those those gates and roads lead to. And, um, and similar to what happened for Kramer on his adopted highway, happens what we're going to find happens for us depending on which road we take and which gate we go through. And so why don't we go ahead and, and read that. We're going to start in verse 13. And we're going to start with just two verses, 13 and 14. And there, Jesus teaches this. He says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Why don't we pray? Father, um, we, uh, I guess maybe I just would first, Father, like for us to recognize that you are the God of the universe. 
that you are the God of creation. That Jesus, you are our King and our Lord. And that it is in our best interest to come to you in a great deal of reverence and humility, recognizing that we, in comparison to you, are, are worthless, but in you, Jesus, have become priceless. And, um, and we, so we recognize our need for you, Jesus, and we, we would just humbly ask today that your Holy Spirit would be with us and would guide us into all truth. That um, my words would not be my words, but would be your words. And, and any, any wisdom that would come out of this would not be recognized as mine, but would be recognized by all of us as yours. And together, we could join together as one people, as a body, not as individual units, but a, a, a corporate unified uh, body of Christ that um, together can understand you better than we can individually. And so, Lord, we just want you to know that this time is yours and that we are yours and we pray that you would unite us, that you would teach us, that you would refine us and that you would make us more into the people that you desire for us to be so that we could be better used by you in our spheres of influence in this world to grow your kingdom and expand it, Father, for your glory. Let this be all about you today because you deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, Jesus says, uh, he, he gives us gate and, and, and road imagery, and, and, he, and he says we have to enter through these gates. We first enter in. We don't go on the road first. We kind of enter through, through the gates. And, and he says, you got to choose one. Right? you got to choose one. There's a wide one and there's a narrow one. And, 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 and you choose one. And the, the, the narrow gate, um, if we choose to enter through that, symbolizes our, our relationship with Jesus. And, and, and we go, we, we're with him. And, and if we don't, we by default choose the wide gate, and that is life without him, against him. And, and he makes clear, you don't enter both. Like it's an either or proposition. It's one or the other. But you have to choose. There's only two options. And, and depending on which gate you choose they lead to different roads and different destinations. The world likes for us to believe that we can believe anything and we all get to the same place. Um, that, that, that is, that's a lie. Um, that would be like me telling my children you can eat candy and ice cream and whatever kind of junk food you want all your life and you are going to be just like this portrait of health. Just go ahead and do it. It's fine. Go for it. And some of our kids are like, yeah, could I really? Yeah, really? Yeah. No, you may not. And I don't care if I'm not your parent. You're not allowed to do that. But like, that would be a lie. And that, that's, that, that's kind of what we're, we're told. And Jesus addresses this here. I think it's, it's tempting to believe the other option, um, to believe that all roads lead to the same place. And, and I think it's tempting to believe that for really good motives. Because I know you really love people who are far from the Lord. I know you do. And I know that you desperately 
want to be with those people in eternity. And you desperately want them to be with Jesus in eternity. You desperately want them to, to, to what we'd say in Christian circles, be saved, right? Saved from like being lost and, and, and going to hell. And so I think sometimes like our, our desire to want to believe that all roads lead to the same place, all gates kind of get you to the same location, is motivated from a good place, but it's twisted and it's untrue. It's a lie, Jesus is saying here. I think just like I don't want my kids to be deceived about the food they eat, we, we can't love, in our love for people, we need to keep it straight so that it doesn't get contorted and, and we, we allow our love to motivate us to, rather than just to believe that everybody gets to the same place, regardless of the pathway they take, to, to, to tell them the truth. Not to beat them up, but to lovingly share with them how much God loves them and desires them. And then to show them that. This is like, this is partially the reason why, like, last week we ended with those cards. It's because it's not enough just to tell people something. We have to show them. Like, we have to get out there and, like, be Jesus' hands and feet. We are the body of Christ. People aren't going to get to know Jesus if we don't go to them. And if we go to them and tell them the truth, but live something towards them that is completely in objection to that truth, they're not going to believe it. They're going to be like, well, I don't want that. But if we marry our words with our actions, something special takes place in the life of someone who is being called by God. And our love should motivate us to do that. Our love for God and our love for them. So... um, Jesus says about these two gates, um, and and you enter through them, and they each get to a different road. The broad one gets to a broad road, the narrow one gets to the narrow one. There's two words for narrow used in this short section. Um, one just means like narrow, tight, but the other is used throughout the scripture and other places for crushing grapes. Crushing grapes. I thought that was kind of a weird kind of word to use, so I, I looked into it, and the idea here. With this narrow road, once you go through the narrow gate that's kind of hard to find, kind of hard to get through, like once you get through that, you're on this narrow road, and but it's not narrow in so that it's tight. It's narrow in that it's hard. Like when you crush grapes at the time, you would throw them into this big like kind of cistern. I don't even know what to call it, but this stone thing. You'd throw them all in, and then you'd trample them. I was sharing with you, I don't know if you've ever seen the YouTube video of the woman on the news trampling grapes, but if you haven't, you need to... Google that today when you get home. I don't have time, and it's probably not appropriate for me to share. It's not bad, but it's just not fitting. But it's really funny. So anyway, but they get in, and they would tramp grapes and um, crush the grapes with their feet. Crush the grapes with their feet so the juice would be pressed out, and it would go out into a a separate trough. And what, what Jesus is communicating here is not so much talking about the juice that's coming out or the grapes being thrown into this cistern, but he's talking about the process of crushing them and saying that when you go on that road, it's going to be tough. It's going to be like crushed, the grapes being crushed. It's going to hurt. And the whole idea that he's getting at is that the life that is lived on the narrow road is one of persecution and hardship and struggle. The narrow gate is one that is more challenging to pass through and the narrow road is one that is much harder to walk because of the pain, the persecution, the struggle that comes with it. 
Life is tough on the narrow road because evil hates the light. Um, as I just mentioned, also each road leads somewhere, Jesus says. The narrow road leads to life. And life refers to an eternal, permanent residency with God in the new heaven and the new earth to come. As much as we imagine how great is that, that is going to be, we kind of can't wrap our minds around it. But the same is true on the flip side. Jesus says that the wide road leads to destruction. And that is an allusion to a permanent, eternal residency in a place where God does not exist, and we call that hell. And I think we, we imagine that being bad, um, but I'm not sure that we really often take the time to consider how bad that's going to be. Just as we probably can't really fully understand how great heaven's going to be, but I think because it's the bad place, we don't want to think about it too much. But it's really, 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 really bad. Um, so this earlier this week, I was emptying the dishwasher. I don't know if any of you ever do that. Um, I love emptying the dishwasher because I get a quick win. Like I see, a, I see dishes, like, and then they're all put away, and then there's no dishes. And I'm like, yes, I've accomplished something. And sometimes in life you don't have those quick wins. So I like that. But this one wasn't so fun. I went down to reach into like the little section where you keep the silverware, and I went down, and a tine from the fork, one of the forks, went between my fingernail and my finger in that really yeah soft, like yeah fleshy part. And it, oh, it hurt so badly. And I let out this like ah, I, I screamed, and it started bleeding, and I started to like kind of mend the wound, and my family came over to help me, and but it was painful for like a day or two afterward, like that. That was really, really painful. And um, as I kind of did that and started thinking about that, I started, God really took me to thinking about my, our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are in some type of persecution. And specifically those who um, are enduring some type of like... Um, physical punishment for it. Kind of choose my words carefully, but I think you understand what I'm getting at. And things like that happen not by accident when Christians are imprisoned and tortured. Um, it happens on purpose. And it, you know, it happens over and over and over again. In fact, it'll happen, they'll do that to a person, the, the people imprisoning the Christian will do that to them just till they're like, a hair away from death, and then they'll stop, right, in some places. They'll put them back in their cell, let them rest up again. Sorry, Elise, this is probably not what you want to be thinking about right now. But they'll let them rest up again till they can endure it again, and then they'll put them back in the room and punish them again and again and again and again. But Christians, even in that situation, you can read accounts all through history of Christians who have gone through that, and they don't give up. They don't turn on Jesus. They remain faithful to him. 
because they have hope. Because they know that while this is terrible and while it feels at times like it's never going to end, it will end at some point. Whether it's here on earth or it's when God takes them home. It's going to end. Hell is not like that. Hell is this place where you are tortured and tortured and tortured and tortured and you think, when is this going to end? But there's no hope of it ever ending. And I'm not sure we can fathom that right now. Like, we can't fully, I don't think we can fully wrap our minds around how hopeless and what despair there will be in hell. It's painful probably, but the despair, the hopelessness is unimaginable. And that's what Jesus says the folks on the wide road are headed for. This place of hopelessness and despair and pain and agony. A place, and it's that place because it's a place where God is not. He is nowhere to be found in hell. And here's, here, here's, here's the thing. Like, in this world, our, our, we are lied to all the time and we are told that we are wrong because we are on this narrow road that costs us that comes with a, with it, it brings with it a lot of sacrifice and pain and persecution and hardship. And everything in this world tells us that you're on the wrong road. Because if you look over here at the people on the broad road, they're like on Kramer's Highway, right? They're like able to swerve back and forth. They're all comfortable. It's luxurious. You know, they have everything they want. And, it, it's, and, and that is equated with, with God's blessing. That if you are in God's will, you have everything, you're, you're, you're healthy, you're wealthy, you're wise. And if, but if you're over here and you're really struggling and people are thinking terrible things about you, not just because of you're a terrible person, but like because of Jesus, that somehow you're not in God's will. And that is a lie. That is a lie. And this is what Jesus faced himself when he was tempted by Satan. He was, taking, he was out in the wilderness, he, he fasted, Satan came to him and, and offered him all these kind of things and tried to tempt him into to having all these comforts, all these seeming marks of blessing, you know? And each time, each time as Jesus was facing death, or as he took on this, this, this persecution, this hardship, this temptation, he said, no, 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 I am not going to believe that because what you are tempting me with is a lie. And then Jesus went as he was facing death and he, and he prayed in Luke 22 in Gethsemane um, that God would take this cup from him. And, but he, he ended it by saying, but not my will be done, but yours be done. He was traveling. He was willing to travel that narrow road. But I think something key in those verses that Jesus teaches us just by living is that he wasn't on the narrow road alone. And um, Jesus' method of defense against the temptation to go on the wide road can also be our method of defense and needs to be our method of defense. He traveled with the Father. In both counts, he used spiritual weapons to defend against the evil one's attacks and distractions. He defended with God's word and with God's strength. He walked hand in hand with the Father. And in part because of that, he succeeded. 
here's my concern for, for us today, church, is that a lot of times we're walking through life without the Father. Um, a lot of times we're walking through life defenseless. We, we, I would wager to think that most of the church, probably us included, we, we probably don't pray, me included, we probably don't pray enough. And I don't mean just like driving in your car on the way to work. I mean like on your knees, on your face, and praying. And you can justi- we can justify it any way we want. Oh, God's everywhere. He hears, and He is, and He does hear everything. But there's something different between like praying while you're in the car, trying to pay attention to all the other cars on the road so you don't hit them and they don't hit you, and listening to the radio in the background, and, and thinking about what you're going to have to do at work, and praying during, with all that going on. Something different between that and taking time out from everything else and saying, Lord, this time is yours. Father, Daddy, this time is yours. And I'm, I'm giving it because I, more than I need to get to work on time, more than I need to finish that report, more than I need to feed my kids, more than I need to exercise, more than I need to do anything else, I need you. If we're not doing that, chances are we're walking through life without the Father. And chances are when we're facing temptations, we're failing. Because we can't do this on our own. And I would also say probably that's the other reason why we need to be in on the Word, why we need to be studying it on our own, like every day. And, and, and why we need to be doing it in small groups and in Bible studies. And, um, because we need Him. We cannot walk through this life alone. Jesus didn't do it, so Why? Would we ever think that we could make it? Sometimes God's going to... Sometimes I think in life, our, my prayer life consists of when I get into a difficult situation, I pray that God would take me out of it. But I'm just wondering if, if maybe sometimes God doesn't want to take us out of it. Like sometimes he wants to keep us in it and we might not even know why, but sometimes he does. But maybe there's more we can learn in it than we could learn out of it. And, um, and in it, somebody said this earlier today uh, in, in youth group, they said, I tend to pray a lot more when I have difficult times than when I have easy times. Maybe that's way, God's way of getting our attention and saying, hey, 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 you can't do this on your own. So maybe rather than trying to ask God to rush us out of the difficult time, we could kind of camp out in it and say, rather than getting out of it, Lord, what I want is for you to be with me in it. I, um, I read this article this week about this man who um, lives, I don't know where he lives, I think he's in Iraq, but it was in a Muslim stronghold in Iraq. And he had been burned alive three times. And um, he didn't give up any time. He was still a Christian, right? Cool thing was, when they did this to him, every time, he was talking about the Lord, how much he loved the Lord, and all these like disciplines. Anyway, all this stuff, how Jesus was the most important thing in his life. And he said, every time they lit me on fire, he said, I didn't burn. It was like the fire was around me, but you looked at him in the pictures and he didn't burn. 
And um, I just kind of wonder maybe if that's, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if maybe it's because he was walking with the Father. Like he wasn't doing this on his own. Like he didn't give up. He didn't give in. And God wasn't finished with him. And when God's finished with him, he will be consumed by it that time. But he wasn't quite yet. And so he didn't. But the reason he was able to like withstand it and keep moving forward and not fear the next time is because he wasn't doing it on his own. What would you do if you were threatened by that? I don't know. But I, I'm pretty sure if we're not walking with the Father, what we're going to do is cut and run. Um, so this is getting a lot longer than I thought it was going to. But I... Um, I think this is particularly challenging in our culture. Um, in fact, I know it is because I've heard from missionaries who have gone to areas where um, the gospel hasn't yet taken root and there's severe persecution, and they come back saying that um, the people there have asked us to let the American Christians know that we're praying for them because it must be so hard to be an American Christian because there's so much temptation here that they don't have there that clouds our judgment and distracts us. said, so we... We have to have Jesus. We have to have him, but you have so many other things. And so we're praying for America. So I know, maybe, I think it probably is harder here than in most other places. It's particularly challenging because of our material wealth and our physical health, and they're just so abundant. Our culture permits and even heralds the accumulation of things and affluence, uh, prosperity, and it uses those as the measures by which a person is successful. Right? If you have a nice car and you have a big home and you have a big bank account, you've made it in this world. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. And because, like, Jesus teaches something very different, right? Like, even just in the Sermon on the Mount, he said things like this. He says, it's, or this is actually Acts, so I'm going to jump ahead, but uh, none of these may be from the Sermon on the Mount. But he said them all, I promise. He said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And then in Luke 17, he said, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will save it. And, and, and he goes on, and, and, and another place in Matthew 5, he says, and I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek as well. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat to them as well. And, and, and in Mark 13, he says, everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end in other words, remains being hated, will be saved. One Bible scholar has said this. He said, Here the king plainly teaches that to follow him involves struggle, self-discipline, and effort. The right path is difficult to find and hard to keep. The broad path is popular and is easy to discover. It is not difficult for one to be lost. Only, one only needs to follow the crowd. If I'm going to be successful like in regards to what Jesus wants for my life in this world, I need to be walking with the Father and you need to be walking with the Father. But I'm also going to need you. Because to live this way is going to test me daily. The world's going to tell me that I need a new iPhone, new furniture, a new car, watch, jewelry, house. It's going to tell me that I'm a failure for judging my, my worth on a different standard. And it's going to tempt me into believing that 
that I can give in just this one time and it'll be okay. It's going to tell me that I deserve certain things. And I'm going to need you, I'm pretty sure you're going to need me to stand in the gap for one another. And um, we're going to need to pray for each other. We're going to need to support each other. Luke, we're going to need to hold each other's hands. (laughs) If you weren't here last week, you don't understand. But if you were, you understand. Um, We're going to need to hold each other's hands and walk through fire together so we don't, to encourage each other not to give up or to to give in. We're going to need to forgive each other. And, and, and we're going to need to, when we have fallen, pick each other up and dust each other off and, and, and help each other know that, that we're not forgotten or, or, or forsaken. The message of Jesus is challenging like no other, so much so that at times, when compared to the world's norms, it's going to appear to be wrong especially since Jesus says that not many will find it, but that many will walk the wide road that leads to destruction. Many times I think we decide whether something's right or wrong by the number of people who are doing it. When I look for a restaurant, I go to Google and see what the reviews are. Church is the same thing. However, this is one case where we shouldn't do this. Don't look to what other people in the world are doing to see if what you're doing is right or wrong. Look to this. Look to the Father. And let's trust in Him and help each other. So Jesus... I'm not even sure what time is it. Uh, oh, goodness gracious. Okay, i got to close up. So, um, so... How do I close this up? This is just not easy. Um, and I was sharing with somebody earlier, I was reading this book um, earlier this week on prayer, and the gentleman said in the book that um, basically our public prayer life should be informed by our personal prayer life, meaning that if we don't have a strong personal prayer life, like on our own, the day-to-day grind of life, our public prayer life is going to be kind of like hollow and not as worthwhile. And I think the same is true for the whole of our spirituality. That if, if, this, is, if this is the entirety of what we do with Jesus, with our lives, this Sunday morning routine that we have, our spirituality is going to be pretty hollow. It's going to lack substance. It's going to lack power. And as you get further down the narrow road, when things get really hard, you're going to sputter out and you're going to jump over onto the broad road because it's much easier. So um, my prayer for you as the church that I have the privilege to lead is that you'd be doing even more with Jesus outside of this time, that the extent of your relationship with him wouldn't end here, but it would carry through day by day and minute by minute. 
that you are setting aside time just to be with your Father every day in prayer and in study, that you are in relationship with other believers here and beyond who will encourage you and hold you accountable and, and spur you on and push you on to, to stay on the narrow, to, 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 to help you see the truth and not the lies. So that when we come here, when we do things as a body, it has substance and power. Otherwise, we're just wearing masks and we're going through routines and it makes really no long-lasting, even eternal difference in our lives or in others' lives. The the other thing I I really want us to know and see today and leave here with is that the narrow road is going to cost you. I don't know what it's going to cost you, but it's going to cost you. It may cost you friends or family. It may cost you money. It may cost you jobs. It may cost your kids the opportunity to participate in certain activities. It may require you to live in a smaller house or drive an old car. It may mean that, and it it may not just cost you in this moment. It also may cost us even just in our planning. It's going to cost you something. And if it's not costing you something, then according to what Jesus said today, we really need to check ourselves. Because the narrow road is like being crushed as grapes. If people aren't, are always happy with you because of Jesus, there may be something wrong there. We don't need to go looking for trouble. I'm not saying that. But Jesus is naturally controversial. So trouble will come to you if we're really living for him. They should never hate you because of you. Never. They may not like you because of Jesus. Actually, they will. So all this is just building to that challenge, I think, to check yourself. Which road are you really walking on? Which gate have you actually gone through? And then to ask you personally and for the sake of our body to not do it alone. Please walk with Jesus, walk with the Father, and please let's walk with each other so that we can make it to the end of that road successfully and be with each other, but more importantly, be with Jesus in a place of utter hope forever and ever. Today we're celebrating the Lord's Supper and um, my hope is that this is refreshing for us. Um, that's, that's kind of the point of it. We come in here and we come in battle-worn and bruised and bloodied, right? And, 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 and we're struggling and, and, and sometimes it's hard to know what's up and down and right and left and this centers us. This, this takes us back to to the cross, it reminds us of what we're really about and what is really important. And that's why Jesus commanded us to do it. And today we're going to close with the Lord's Supper. And just remember that on that last night, Jesus took bread, he passed it around to his disciples, and he said, take and eat, for this is my body which is broken for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he took the cup 
later in the meal and he passed it around. He had one cup, and sometimes we do that. Today we have multiple cups. And, and he passed it around and he said, drink from this, all of you, for this is the blood, my blood, of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. The whole idea is that we are to remember what Jesus did because in what he did for us, we have life and we have hope and we have the power to walk the narrow road and not give up. It's all about him. So we're going to celebrate this today to recenter us and to focus us on him so that we can stay the course together with him for his glory. So I, um, I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to call on a few people to serve this morning. We're going to come forward for this. And I'm going to ask maybe uh, Tracy, if you're here, not here. Okay, I'm not going to ask Tracy. Nancy and Bill, could you come and help me serve this morning? And um, maybe uh, Chad and Jackie, could you help me serve this morning? And um, we're um, basically what's going to happen, uh, you're going to come down the center aisle. We're going to have a station over here and a station over here. You're going to be ha- offered the plate. You can just take a piece of bread. And um, then you'll be offered the cup, and you can take the cup. And then you can take them up here immediately. You can take them back to your seat and pray and then take them, however is most fitting and, and useful for you. Um, but we're going to have you come forward because, because sometimes this act that we do when we pass it in the pews, it's just kind of passive. You know, we just kind of take it. It's just brought to us. But we want to engage it. We want you to engage Jesus today. And so by getting out of our seats and coming forward to grab it, we're hoping that it helps your your body connect with your mind and your heart. And we can together engage Jesus and, and let him be the center of our lives. So let me pray for us and then we will celebrate. Father, we thank you today for loving us. We thank you uh, for sending your son Jesus to die for us. And we thank you for the opportunity to remember that and celebrate that through the Lord's Supper. We would humbly ask that you would rid us of any sin that we're holding on to right now in this moment so that we can do this with clear consciences and clean hearts. And Father, that, so that we can engage with you, be refreshed by you, and be recentered on you by the power of your Holy Spirit without obstruction. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You deserve the praise. Thank you for dying for us, for rising for us, for ascending for us, and preparing a place for us to come and be with you after we've entered through the narrow gate and traveled the narrow road. We love you. This time is yours. We are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it does not matter if you are a member of Living Legacy or the Southern Baptist Church. We just would ask that you have a relationship with Jesus, that he has redeemed you, that he has covered you with his blood, and that you are saved in him. And if that is you, let's celebrate together. Please come and let's feast. We're going to sing one more song before we do. Why don't I pray for us and um, thank the Lord for what he's done. Father, we thank you um, just as we close this morning for loving us, for forgiving us, um, even though we didn't deserve it. And we pray that as we close today, we could continue to worship you, but also, Father, that you, uh, we don't have anything to give in exchange for this, but we know that because you're a heavenly Father, you want to give it, that you would just bless us with your Holy Spirit so that we would be equipped with every spiritual gift and need um, to serve you in our community this week. We love you and thank you again for dying for us, for rising for us, and creating an opportunity for us to have life in you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. May God bless you as you go. And as you go, it's going to be tempting to get into Kramer's Lane, right? (laughs) The real luxurious one. But when we see that, let's walk hand in hand with the Father. Let's press into Him through prayer, through study. Let's hold on to each other's hands and pull each other back into the narrow lane the narrow lane in Jesus so that we could run this race, so that we could finish it out together and so that we could go and be with him 
in glory. May God bless you as you go to live for Christ this week. Amen. Amen.